Welcome to another episode of Consider This. We are glad that you're with us, and uh, we're using this as an opportunity to reflect back on last week. So last week, uh, literally, I think right at this time, uh, Uri, our good friend from Israel, was with us, and we spent some time discussing Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53. Before that, we had had uh, conversations. After that, we had had conversations about who Jesus is and Messiah expectations and the Bible lands and how... Uh, God has definitely woven his plan, weaved his plan, woven, weaved, woven, woven, woven his plan throughout history, uh, calling Abram out, making a nation, and then including all nations. And uh, so there's a lot that we share with our, um, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters. And there are some, there are some, obviously some major differences. And so we've just been spending a lot of time reflecting on that here at the church and uh, thought we would come into the podcast and continue that conversation. So uh, today I have with me uh, Drew Moss in our college ministry, Ryan Vincent uh, in our adult ministries, and uh, Justin Ebert in our uh, in our youth ministries. Um, all of them involved in the discipleship of people, and uh, that's kind of the common core that we have here. And so, how do we how do we disciple our people through these very important um, and interesting questions? So basically what we're going to be doing is, is just talking about some thoughts that we've had and some f- reflections that we have had. Uh, Justin, do you want to begin kind of? Sure, sure. Because it seemed like every time Uri was around, you had like this gleam in your eye. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I love having these conversations that kind of center around why people believe mm-hmm. what they believe or just trying to get to know, yeah, no, I know. why they believe. So yep, it's yep. fun. You, you're trying to piece together somebody's story because you're, you never want to devoid the facts that they think mm-hmm. they know or hold to from the person. It just, that doesn't go well. It doesn't lead to an actual conversation. They just become sure. kind of this blank person, not, yeah. not, a, not a person, more of a robot. And so it's fun to get to know Uri and his thoughts um, on the text and, and on God. And, you know, we know this and we talked about this, but Uri doesn't represent all Jews for all time, right? He represents Uri and then kind of slowly his circles go out from there. But um, just interesting to hear as he would describe um, God, a much different version of God than we understand. And as he interprets the scriptures, a much different interpretation and how God intervenes as we believe throughout history and what he sees that as. Those things kind of stuck out to me early, just that we're on different playing fields mm-hmm. um, when we, we don't believe in the same core identity, character of God. It's going to be hard to have discussions um, about some of the details that come later throughout the text. And so that was kind of my big thing as, as, as I got to know him early in the week. Everything from there was like, okay, my questions are just going to be different, knowing what you believe about who God is and how he works or doesn't work. You know, it's interesting. Whenever you get into a debate, the first thing you have to do is define terms to make sure that when you're having a conversation that you're talking about the same thing. Because if not, you miscommunicate all the time. And that's kind of what you're describing, is that um, when we have a view of God and we think everybody else has the same view of God. So whenever I tell about, yeah, we were over in Israel and we had a guide and he was Jewish, um, they have the same questions. But what's really interesting is is they we, we all, I guess, most likely assume that everyone has kind of the same fundamental, mm-hmm. you know, the ca- fundamental characteristics of God, the fundamental understanding of right and wrong, the, stund- uh, the fundamental understanding of how to view history or read history. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many different ways to look at history and to see how history has been brought together, to look at God and to see how we understand God. So 
all of those different things definitely kind of pull us in different directions. So, Ryan. Um, what I really picked up from his week here was it, it was just it's fascinating to come to grips with something I probably already knew, but I had to kind of experience it real time in the sense that like Uri and I cannot agree on the Old Testament. And that's because Jesus defines everything. And when we have a different concept of Jesus, of course we're going to disagree on the Gospels. But <coughs> like it's important for us to see that who Jesus is shapes Isaiah, shapes the Psalms. And so I think sometimes we walk around assuming that, yeah, well, we can agree on Genesis through Malachi, right? The Jew, <laughs> Christian, we can agree on that. Yeah. But then Jesus yeah. shows up yeah. and we can't, we can't agree on anything going forward. <laughs> and that's not, that's not how Jesus talked. Jesus talked to the, as though, like, if you can't get him, then everything you do with the old, it, it doesn't work. And so the, the conversation on the road to Emmaus is Jesus explaining himself from the Old Testament. So the, the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus explaining the fulfillment of the Old Testament in him. And yeah. it's, all, it's all intrinsically connected to him. So I, um, I saw some of our people struggle with why we interact with the Old Testament in a different way than Uri. I mean, that's, we can all agree on that, right? The very fact of Jesus' existence means that we can't. If you can't deal with him, you can't deal with the books that we're also talking about him back there. Which is interesting because that means that for the most part, we have more of a uh, God was moving through history and then kind of, hey, and I'll add Jesus to this. Yes. So it's a it's a Sunday and Jesus is the cherry on top. You know, he's, he's the, the most important thing. He's the thing that helps define everything else. But it's kind of an additional instead of a driving to. Yeah. And that is a that is kind of very interesting, even in terms of my development. In, internally, like my own understanding of how to read the scriptures mm -hmm. started out rather, you know, this is the way God was working and Jesus becomes this, uh, this add on. Yeah. Uh, instead of kind of seeing it driving towards him and then. It yeah. Is he the crown him. jewel or is he the foundation? Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uri yeah. would probably say we've, we've put something else here, mm -hmm. but no, mm -hmm. I, like Jesus is like the bedrock that all of it's built on. Which so is, you, which if is you get that language, wrong, right? Yeah. I mean, he's the cornerstone. Yeah. Yeah. You get that wrong, then you can't read Deuteronomy well. I'm sorry. I'm, you can't deal with Isaiah well. I'm sorry. And that's my conviction because I follow Jesus. That's, that's certainly not uh, a Jewish perspective. But that, that paradigm means we can't come to terms. We can't come to an agreement on this, on the, the old. And when, when you say by agreement, what you really mean is, is that we don't have the ultimate same interpretation of a text. Right. Yes. So, right. yeah. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in terms of what I had to do too. Justin. Well, I, you may be talking about the same thing that I'm thinking of, but, you know, if we, we try to go after the author's intended meaning, try to contextually understand a scripture, and those guys writing the Old Testament scriptures wouldn't necessarily have been thinking, oh, and I'm going to try and fit in Jesus to this mm -hmm. text. Mm -hmm. No, but in, in that sense, a Jew can like help us understand how would they have heard that yes. when, in that time. Mm -hmm. And we could say, yeah, I, I agree with you that mm -hmm. in that time, this is how that author would have been thinking or that audience would have heard that. And yet what you're saying is also true, that this isn't just um, the cherry on top, so you yeah. put it, but this is ultimately pointing to something greater. This is leading to something. What we see in the Old Testament is 
who God is, glimpses of who God is and his plan and his purposes, mm-hmm. and it continues to unfold. Yes. And it reaches its climax. And, and in that sense, uh, yeah, maybe the analogies aren't bad, but it truly, we believe it reaches its climax in Jesus, its fulfillment in Jesus. Well, it's, it's, Jesus is an apocalyptic figure. It's complete revelation in Jesus is right. what we get. Right. We get Isaiah meant something for 800 years. And then Jesus shows up, and, and this might be complicated language. It might even be a little bit, uh, it might not be perfectly accurate, but I think it serves a point. Jesus redefines Isaiah. Like mm-hmm. the meaning is now different. You see Paul do this all the time. He reinterprets the, the traditional understanding of scriptures. He doesn't change the scriptures. He says, now that Jesus has come, here's what it means. Yeah. Here's its fullest meaning. Yeah. He doesn't undermine his earliest meeting, but it's got a fuller meaning in yeah. Jesus. Yeah, since there's plenty of... I wonder if, like, the... I don't know, I still don't know the right analogy, but it's almost like he... What Jesus does, he doesn't, like... If you're looking at the, the painting or looking out the window, he doesn't, like, change the painting radically, but he says, actually, you've been standing in the wrong spot to see that fully. Yeah. So yeah. here, and Jesus comes in, he causes everything, when you look at the painting, causes everything to shift over, like, five feet. Yeah. Come step over here, and now you can see it for what it actually was mm-hmm. and all those things. So, yeah. Drew, what do you got for us? What uh... um, you know, I was struck just by how much, um, specifically, my my main experience uh, was was when we had him at the table on Thursday nights, and and you and you and Yuri talked for a little while, and then we got to ask him questions and stuff. But I was struck by how much um, Uri's statements about Christ and about what it would look like to follow him, how much it uh, lined up with the way that the Gospels talk about about that um when when one of the questions was asked you know why what is it that jesus uh like what criteria did jesus fail to meet to be to be the messiah why don't jews why aren't jews able to see him as the messiah and his his main statement was um the jews are expecting a political messiah political slash military ruler who will you know which is um which is like yeah that's true that's exactly actually what the gospels were saying that's you know and (laughs) and we talk about how how peter can be so right in mark 8 when he says that jesus is the messiah the son of the living god and then how he can be so wrong when jesus says i'm going to go to jerusalem and i'm going to suffer and i'm going to die and peter goes whoa 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 no that's that's not right jesus that's not what a messiah does um, because Peter has the exact right. thinking that the Jewish people had, and it actually confirms those. Or, or when when he was asked, "What would it take in you to change your mind about Jesus?" Uh, and he said, "Nothing." He said, "There's nothing that could happen that would change my mind, that would cause me to be a follower of Jesus." And and what he said, I thought, was so interesting. He said, "Because um, for for us, Judaism is not just an issue of faith; it's a matter of culture and of heritage." of history, of memory, of it's like this big ball of everything that I am. It's, it's my identity. And, and as he, I remember being up there asking that question at the table, and as he's, as he's saying these things, like different passages of Scripture where, sure. where Jesus says, Luke 9, 23, if anyone, would, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself daily and take up his cross to follow me. And I just thought, man, like, 
Jesus really meant that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he really, this is what, what Uri's saying is if I were to do that, I would have to deny everything I am. Or uh, Jesus saying, you know, um, if, if someone comes after me and does not hate their father and mother, their wife and their children, even their very own life, they cannot be my disciple. And, and I just thought, man, that's exactly like uh, Uri from his perspective gets that in a way that I don't think I've seen. Yeah. You know what I mean? So sometimes. you don't like, actually, interestingly enough, like you don't disagree yeah, with, yeah. His, with, his, with, his, um, with his personal conclusion, meaning yeah. if I do this, this is what it's going to cost me. You don't yes. go, no, no, no. You, go, you, could still, you could still have Jesus and those other things. And uh, you know yeah. what I mean? He's like, no, actually, you're right. Now, it, is, it does get a little weird because no, the earliest Christians believed that they weren't losing their Jewishness mm-hmm. by following Jesus. They believed that they were, yeah. they were living it out to the fullness. So there is something there. But, but there's also a truth to like when you, when you talk about what Udi's talking about is losing so much of his, his family and mm-hmm. his social status and and a lot of things that uh, their traditions that they've been connected to sure. for a very long time when he talks about their heritage and their memory. And that is true. That's, I mean, you you lose a lot of who you are to follow him. Well, know? and you give up all of your... Um all of your satisfaction with the uh, uh, with the with the political messiahship, yeah, right. So you you lose. So I mean, think about what the early Christians had to believe, which was, wow. So we're not going to be freed from Rome? No, mm-hmm. actually, like this whole place is burning to the ground. Sure. Okay, and everything's still good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's actually fine in Christ. Like it's cool that the temple can be destroyed. You're saying like that's okay. Yeah, that's yeah, fine. That's okay. And, and actually, Jesus has fulfilled everything, so it's okay. It can go away. Think about like uh, I mean, it's it's like you said. I love how you put it. It was like we were living in the Gospels. It, yeah. Well, I think about. I was just you. You guys saying this it made me think about James and John asking to sit on his right and left hand, and Jesus mm-hmm. saying, "You don't know what you're asking." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and really, like that idea of like what what you for you when you finally understand who I really am and what I'm really all about, what my kingdom is, not of this world, but you know what I mean? Um, those kinds of things, then yeah, you're going to, your whole paradigm is going to have to shift about greatness and about my reign and rule and about all these things. And, and yeah. Well, it's, it's so much different than today's like a la carte Christianity. Like I want a 4.0 GPA and I want to be in this club. And if I've got time for church and Jesus, then that's good too. Also want to, you know, be involved with my family and my girlfriend, all of these things, which they kind of, they're all in different, you know, different importance depending on what's coming up next, but really no one more than the other. And that's what, when I drove home from the table, that was what was going through my head was Uri gets that his Jewishness will have to, to some extent, like die off. He's going to have to leave uh, that Jewishness behind, um, and and yet a lot of times, why does it not feel like I have to leave my Americanness behind to follow Jesus? Is it just sure. that the American way is so much more in line with Jesus than <laughs> than the Jewish way, and so it's just easier to? I don't think it is. I think it's because um, for much of the world and and throughout much of history, people understood that you couldn't just pick and choose mm-hmm. little bits of what you wanted. It was like, I'm all in. And, and this idea that I can radically pick and choose, 
um, that I, you know, um, or yeah, that I can just kind of be whatever I want to be is an American thing. And there's, there's, mm-hmm. there's something cool about that, that you can, anybody can just kind of switch who they are at any point. But there's also this thing where I get to kind of have it on my terms and I get to keep a little bit, I think I'm going to store up treasure in heaven and on earth. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think yeah. I'm going to, and it really had me thinking through what parts of my American identity um, uh, do I do I need to be able to sacrifice and let go of in order to follow Jesus? You know, and I, I've thought about in terms of what you're describing is how do we apply these eternal principles to an ever-changing culture? Um, so Uri has to try to figure out, so what is it going to look like? What do I need to give up? What do I not need to give up? Well, the good news, you get to keep Moses, but this is how you have to understand Moses. You get to keep <laughs> Isaiah, but here's how you have to understand Isaiah. Um, you can even keep your nation, but here's how you need to understand your nation. And so that's something that we all go through. So I would say what's been really interesting is that there has been somewhat of a shift the last 40 or 50 years where we have maybe rightly given up on a number of, uh, say, traditional ideas that are probably more culture driven than they really are biblically driven. Um, And so the good news is, is that now we've got a new culture that I don't know if it's even much better. So, you know, back in the day, we couldn't have tattoos. And so now we've kind of freed ourselves and we're allowed to have them. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, well, we had this, this, this American view that it had to look like this and the wife wasn't allowed to work. But now the good news is we, we've, we've grown from that and we've got a much bigger understanding. And I look around at this new culture, especially with the way the, 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 the particularly, I know this not on this podcast, but I've been thinking a lot about how the United Methodist Church mm-hmm. is now looking at the world speaking and the world is teaching it about sexuality. And I really wonder sometimes if, if this new culture is not just a new version where I, you know, I, I get to go to coffee shops now and I get to, uh, I, I get to, it's, it's a new version of Americanism. It's, mm-hmm. it's still got selfish roots. It still has some things. I mean, that's why I love what Jesus does. He goes to the core and he talks about deny yourself. And that's not just the 1950s version of America. It's also the 1970s version of America and the 1990s and the 20 teens. I mean, it's it's all of these things keep coming back. I like it's it's a fundamental upside downness mm-hmm. that we have to deal with, and so none of us can truly escape it. We're always we're searching for it, um, and Uri kind of help us see. You know, when you see someone else going through it, it gives you a good mirror mm-hmm. to be able to use on your own on your own culture. What about you, Jim? What was your what were, like top takeaway from yeah. the week? I'll tell you, I think, you know, the, the Drew thing was a big, was a big hit. He's already said it to me, but it was a big hit for me was how much, and whenever he would talk, I would go, yeah, the Bible said you'd say that. Like the <laughs> Bible, the Bible, that, or anybody coming to Jesus. Like I've had that same aha moment when I'm, when I'm sharing the gospel with someone. I remember talking to a young man from Taiwan and he was just describing to me the cost when we've, when we've had young men in our home from Germany or from Switzerland or from Saudi Arabia. Um, I get that when I'm sharing the gospel with them, this is going to fundamentally restructure their world. So I've had I have a few of those before. I was nervous um, having an opportunity to, to, to look at texts with him, um, knowing that he knows more than I do in some areas and then maybe not in others. Um, but I'm, I like walking into situations where people are probably more intelligent than me, and I'm just going to have to go, okay, so this can't just be about who's the smartest in the room. And so what does the Bible say about Jesus or God or the Bible? And so uh, my conversations with him and Isaiah and in Psalm 22, knowing that he really has thought these things through and uh, sitting down and saying, okay, so let's discuss these. And so throw me your 
So throw me the biggest problem. And after he was done, I was like, oh, okay, good. No, that's not actually a problem, you know? <laughs> and I don't mean that lightly. I mean, I truly, I thought it was interesting when I first shared with him about the, uh, the Isaiah 53. In, in his mind, he had a hard time getting around even the simple, the phrase servant, the suffering servant. And he said, you do know that that, that phrase is more of like a slave. And he, he was curious to know how I would respond to the idea of Jesus being a slave. And I said, well, actually, no, that, that fits. I mean, kind of Paul thought he was one too. And so that's not, there's, we, we don't have an issue with that. And going back, and if you listen to the podcast about the reality of what the New Testament does in Psalm 22 and having to deal with verse 16, and there's some complexities there, and then realize, wow, like the New Testament authors got this right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was really kind of neat. Like every time we went at it, it was like, I, going back to what Ryan was describing, I could deal with the text and the text didn't fail me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was able to, to deal with the, the most complicated questions and it wasn't like, aha, I got you. It was like, yeah, but Uri, th- this is the then the interpretive framework that we're going to put on it. Yeah, like Uri's, so it answered it. Uri's objections weren't wrong. Like his, his textual Mm-mm. criticisms, Mm-mm. he was right. They, they just didn't undermine what the text means, mm-hmm. right? And so... No. It's, it's an interesting way where you can seriously agree and disagree. Like, yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying, and I disagree with the conclusions you draw from it. I, I agree. Going back to what you were just saying about what Jesus does or him, how he becomes like the foundation um, in which we reinterpret it. It's like as we walk through the text, we can walk through the text and walk through the text. And I'm going, yeah, no, I, I like everything that you're saying. Now, do you believe that what God is doing? And then you can kind of show him from the scriptures that he is describing this servant and how Israel failed to be this and how God himself is the only one that could fill, fulfill this. And that's what the New Testament teaches. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't go against, it doesn't go against his interpretation. It goes against his ultimate conclusion, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so that was just personally affirming, personally affirming. The, the other thing, real quickly, was I was really just pleased. It's easy for me to have a relationship with him because I know him. I've known him since 2014. Um, I, I love the fact in this uh, very diverse culture um, where we only know how to disagree and then name call. I just, I love the fact that uh, there is a growing friendship mm-hmm. um, that has at its, at some very key points, some strong differences. Um, but then, you know, I, I would say for me, just because of my love for God, my love for Jesus, my trusting the truth, I don't have to be angry at him. I don't have to manipulate him. I can speak truthfully to him and I can do so with, with both grace and patience. And I think vice versa. So sure. I really appreciated the just the overall tone yeah. that we were able to share. Yeah, so. one of my least favorite Western ideas right now is that if you disagree with somebody, you hate them. Or you hate me. You disagree with me, therefore you hate who I am. Yeah. And we you showed, and I think our church showed, that just doesn't have to be the way it is. Sure. It does not have to be the way it is. We can disagree on some really key parts of who we believe we are and what we believe at our core and still show love and mutual respect to each other. I think the other thing that stuck out to me just as hearing you talk was um, his goalposts. He always talked about the yeah, goalposts love that. and how Jesus being God is just outside of his goalposts. There's no way he can fit that within his framework. And yet that's like so core. Cool. Like we cannot let go of that. Like we, we would never be able to have a framework where Jesus is somehow not God in the flesh. That also, 
sorry to no, take that in, but uh, that, that was another thing that even kind of helped me in like confirmation of New Testament stuff when I thought about that going, I think he's so right. That is so outside the Jewish <laughs> framework yeah. to be able to yep, yep. see a man as God. These are people who many of them would not even like in first century wouldn't even like say the name of God out loud for fear of disrespecting it or so, put that tattoo on their chest. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so what he's, would, he's still bothered. Well, I he is a little, I Oh yeah. Because he seems he, to be a little bothered. I mean, we were at Engedi and I was, can I say this? I was shirtless. <laughs> and, uh, well, and when you say it like that is weirder. Yeah. It's, oh, it's actually less weird. So anyway, I was at Engedi and I was shirtless. There you go. Still weird. We're getting close though. <laughs> and, and cause, and here's why we were at, we were at, here's why we were shirtless because we were at Engedi. You might have to explain to do. people okay. what Engedi is. There's this incredible waterfall okay. that comes out. I mean, literally, you're in the middle of the desert. Steve, you know what it's like. You're in the middle of the desert, and then there's this like crazy, beautiful water that's cascading down, and you can get in this pool and lean up against the wall, and this water's coming down. So everybody's going in. Um, you kind of come with shorts, and so you know. So I just had my shirt off, and um, I have a, a, a tattoo, a couple of them, but I have one on my chest. And a person comes up before I even Uri saw it. And they were a little bit shocked that I had the name written on me mm. and the name Yahweh. And even in terms of like with you, when you look at the text, when, when we see L-O-R-D all in caps, we will actually say Yahweh. That, that is a not cool thing to do for them. They would say Adonai. Like even if you were to look in their Bible, the, the Jewish Bible, the Old Testament, they would see Yod-Hertvav-Het, um, the Yahweh, and they would actually see Yahweh, and they would say Adonai. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what they would do, out of reverence. And so, yeah. That's, well, so and and that's, that's a big what, deal. What kind of got to me? So <laughs> think about like, so then what would what radical, amazing, crazy thing would have to happen for these yeah. first century Jews to start calling a man God mm. and start worshiping it? Because it is it is exactly what we said. It is outside their framework. That's not even within like their realm of possibility. So something crazy. They must have seen something crazy right. in order to start saying that Jesus was God. You know what I mean? And hearing him say that was even like another cool like confirmation like oh yeah it's true like that's that's not a natural conclusion any of them would come to well, unless a resurrection took place in the know? part that I here's what I would add to that is you know it's it's funny Uri said something and our people I think got kind of sideways with it and I'm, when I say that not like upset with him but just confused by it so often when you say statements like that Drew my, my mind first goes to miracles like what had to have happened um, the raising of Lazarus, mm-hmm. uh, the raising of uh, you know Jairus's daughter, and lame you know, the, man, the, the, the lame man, especially yeah. the big ones, right? Yeah. Not the not the yeah. easier ones, but the big ones, yeah. you know. But the Jew like, might say like like the prophets did. Yeah, exactly. And so I I loved how Uri said like miracles aren't going to convince me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they make it very very clear that miracles in and and, and by the way we agree with that. Mm-hmm. Like and that was the part that I was wanting to help our people see is that. Jesus even made it very, very clear. Like an evil and adulterous generation looks for a sign. No sign will be given to you except for the sign of the prophet Jonah. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is, by the way, more going on with that than just the resurrection in the three days. And I think it's a much deeper yeah. statement that he's made. But healing a lame man's not the divine move. It's forgiving his sin. That's the divine move Jesus yes. makes. So it, it, to me, it's to me. what I want to come back to is going back to what caught me. So on Wednesday night, you asked me, so why do you believe? That and Jesus I, and I, is God. And Jesus is God. And I just sat there. And I'll go back to this. Like, there really has to be a move of the Spirit. Like, it's, I mean, miracles help me, sure. 
but but honestly, miracles also become one more obstacle sometimes for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like yes, it's yes, they're helpful, but I have to now believe in miracles and Jesus. Mm-hmm. So there is something about just the the centrality of Jesus and the the value of Jesus and the and the purpose of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, um, and the reality of Him, and the miracles help. But Jesus didn't say, just believe in these miracles. Right? He didn't say that. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I love the additional piece. Like I love the fact that he said, yeah, like the miracles aren't what, what's going to convince. Our people think that if we can convince him of the miracles, then that will convince him of his messiahship. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case. Mm-hmm. And I don't, the, that is not what Peter did. Peter, when they said, we don't believe you, Peter didn't go, oh, yeah, well, watch this. I'm mm-hmm. going to raise Dorcas. And so it's not, that's not even how it worked. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, again, that was one more opportunity to like step into the, to step into the ancient world, to step into the New Testament, where it was like, you really, you still don't believe? Okay, pull up your Bible because I want you to look at what's going on. And if, if that's what they did. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, that's. I was thinking, uh, you know, we, we've been reading Encounters with Jesus by Tim Keller with our student leaders. And he, he used this phrase in there that uh, faith in Jesus is both rational and impossible. <laughs> and what he means by that, that, what he means by that is that it is something the scripture consistently holds out evidence and says, this is something that you can reason. You, you have to be able to reason your way to look at, look at the resurrection, sure. look at his claims, look at the fulfillment of prophecy. And so it, it consistently holds reason up and asks you to reason your way through. And then it also says, and reason alone will never get you all the way there. Yes. That there has to be some, the, the spirit has to um, stir in you and you have to respond in faith to that. And, and those two things together have to come together um, for, for like real safety faith in Jesus to take place you know I was having a conversation with a couple yesterday we were just kind of sitting having coffee and uh, and they said have you ever just noticed because we were talking about Uri stuff have you ever just noticed that like when we say what we believe like sometimes when we say it twice it just sounds like unbelievable <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes and I'm saying yeah like I and I'm I get it and I, I love that too I mean and I don't even love it for that sake but it, it really helps me understand that the struggles that people have with rationality or the struggles that people have um, with like uh, uh, certain kinds of proof and, and empiricism um, is really not what faith is all about. Like it's just, it's, it's what, by the way, it's what life is all about. And so I think it, it lines up with that. And so that's the part that I really appreciate is to help, I hope Sunnybrook has a better understanding and appreciation for, for who Jesus Christ is, not just what he does. Sure. And, I, and we can look at that in a selfish way, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you just want his blessings. No, 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 no. But go back in this. Like, Jesus is more even than his miracles. And he so did that mm-hmm. so often. So I, I find that interesting, which g- gives a little bit of a whole new perspective. And he did not do any miracles there because of their unbelief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which sounds opposite. <laughs> it should be he did a lot of miracles because of their unbelief. Yeah, yes. like yeah. they didn't believe, so he went and proved them all wrong. Or yes, something, but exactly. Yeah. But it's yeah. it's and again, it's I don't. I, I, there's a, there's a part of that text I don't understand. Only he will be able to explain sure. what that means. But it's kind of like oh, Jesus right. seemed far more okay with people not believing in him than we are. Yes, that somehow we're going to convince them that if we're good enough apologists, we'll somehow convince the person we're debating. And that's what I love again about from last time is that. What we did encouraged the people of our church, I believe. I and they they listened to this, and it didn't, like, wreck their faith, but it caused them to ask better questions. And then at the end, they're able to walk away strengthened 
you know, seeing apologetics in that light is, I think, far more valuable than I'm going to win an argument or I'm going to win a debate or I'm going to baptize this person by the end of the week, right? But truly, like, I'm going to do my best to understand them and I'm going to do my best to clearly articulate what we believe. And I know I'm going to be doing a lot of learning on, on the way. And people listening in are going to be encouraged because when Drew does finally decide, you know, I am curious about that. Is that mm-hmm. really true? And he goes to look it up and do, do his own research. He's able to find it because people have discussed this in depth. And I found very interesting that Uri's questions or our questions for Uri, he like had no care about a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Hey, what do you believe happens when we die? Uh, why, wait, what? Why are you concerned about that? Oh, you're not concerned about that at all. You have no worries about what happens after you take. No, I, I have like we don't worry about that, and that's like a huge deal for us. Yeah. Um, there were some others, but that one stuck out to my mind. How occupied we were with the heaven and hell question, or how are you going to deal with God at the end, and all of these things. He just does not have a worry. Well, in part because he has a certain position about God. That causes him not to worry in the same way that I would say to you, like, I don't worry about heaven and hell anymore. No, but you have a stance. You no, no, thought no. through sure, it and all sure. of no, that. But, but here's my point. My point is, is because the reason why I don't have a worry now is because I know about Jesus and I know about this. So these are the thoughts. And then this is the conclusion. Yeah. And his is his is actually the same thing. The reason why he doesn't think about it is because when you ask him, so tell me about God and how that's going to work out. God is far more okay with kind of just us, us being okay as long as we're trying. And, mm-hmm. and, and so literally we all, we all, the reason why he doesn't answer that question or wrestle with that question is because the, his understanding of God doesn't really, it doesn't really make that much of a deal about right. it. And I remember, um, you know, I've told the story before, one of my favorite uh, conversations with Uri is, is, is sitting in Tel Aviv and we're having a conversation around the, the table and the, the hotel in Tel Aviv is a little more lax than the ones in Jerusalem. And uh, we were just commenting on it and Uri made the statement, um, just kind of talking about the, 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 the Jewish uh, dietary laws. And he said, I just can't imagine God really caring about all the little things. And I said to him, yeah, you know, I was reading Leviticus the other day and I came up with the same conclusion. <laughs> like you don't read the Bible and, and actually come up with the conclusion that God doesn't care about little things. Like you get the opposite of that. And so, you know, our views about God, Uri's mine, yours or whatever. I mean, I would say to you, you can run that through. You can run through the implications of Jesus as you described or how to read the Old Testament as you described. And your opinions are going to create either tension or peace. So, and we all get there. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts, guys? We're kind of near the near the end of our time, um, and we're going to have more conversations with our good friend here in a couple of weeks when we head over to do some more recording. But is there uh, any other just final observations you want our people to think through? <laughs> Kate, I'll I'll throw in the last one. You know, we talked about this, which I thought was really interesting. Um, on the one hand, I would say, wow, like a tremendous amount of cordial peace about it. That we can just sit across the table and have a great conversation. So does that mean like all those deep things that we disagree with don't matter? And the answer to that is no, actually they matter. Like they matter a lot. Mm-hmm. They actually have eternal consequences and immediate implications. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, is, it is for a different reason that we choose to be gracious and cordial and kind. It's for a different reason. So um, uh, there are many ways in which we can approach this, but to, to, to assume that uh, our posture with one another was based because those issues don't really matter 
that's actually not it. Mm-hmm. Um, going back to the idea of saying, you know, think about what Jesus tells you to do with your enemies. And Jesus says, you know, basically, fundamentally, is will you trust God with your enemies? Mm-hmm. Will you trust God with those people who even disagree with you? And and that's a good thing to remember. So um, hopefully as you deal with complicated people or complicated questions, that we can follow Christ's example, which is speaking the truth mm-hmm. and doing so even with a, always a measure of grace, but always a measure of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when you watch my love for Ori and um, it, we have disagreeing conversations, um, I, I think in some sense, both of us, right, are just kind of trusting God to be the one to work it out. Mm-hmm. And that's really what, and definitely I can speak for us, is kind of what holds us together. And not even just with our, um, and when I say brother, I mean kind of within humanity, but our Jewish brothers. And, uh, you know, those those kinds of things. I appreciated Miroslav Wolf a couple of years ago saying, how do we make genuine inroads into the Islamic community? Mm-hmm. And it's not that we don't disagree. I just, I don't know if yelling and screaming and fighting yeah. and kicking is the Christian response to that. Yeah. So, it, you know, I, I think it's really good to say, okay, how can we genuinely love and genuinely care about these truths and trust God to be the one to work them out? Mm-hmm. Not even saying we did it perfectly, by the way. But um, going so, back to anyway. what you said just a few minutes ago about that should, that it, it, Uri's only hope is that the spirit would soften his heart to hear the truth. So in that sense, it's rather simple we respectfully trust god with uri's unbelief yeah that's not our job to berate him into the kingdom yeah you know and that's a great reminder right we can't argue people into the kingdom so we can uh, we can witness to the truth of who jesus christ is mm-hmm. i can't drop the mic because steve would get mad at me <laughs> it's yeah. also taped to the it's table. also taped to the table <laughs> Anyway, we love you guys. Uh, hope this has been a good podcast and uh, a blessing to you. Um, you know, we're kind of uh, getting ready to, uh, to to come up with some new topics that we're going to be dealing with. Um, if there's ever anything that you want to talk about, you know, send uh, your, your thoughts to Steve um, at, uh, what is it? Is it? Steve at sunnybrookcc.org. Would love to, uh, would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, We love you guys, and uh, we will see you soon.